You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day, y'all. To all the dads in the house and all the dads watching online, thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day. We're glad you're here. A couple quick things before we get into the, the, the series, Directionally Challenged. And uh, if you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 39. And if you don't have a Bible, there are several ways that you can connect with us. And one of those ways is an app. It's a free app called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. And it's in your app store, whether you're, no matter what device you, you have or what brand you're loyal to, yeah, you can go to that app store and download that. It's free. It's a Bible app. You can get all different translations of the Bible. You can do personal Bible studies. You can invite friends to do Bible studies with you. There's also a way that you can connect uh, with the creek. So you click on the um, event tab, and the creek is an event. And so we put our fill-in sheets, all the things that we would hand out to you that we used to pre-COVID, now are on that format. You can connect with us. If you're new, you can do a guest card. You can give. There's a giving link, and then you can send in prayer and care requests that way. I want to talk to you about a little bit of a change that's happening in a couple weeks. It's raining, y'all. I mean, I don't know if you can hear that online, but it's, it's raining. And uh, glad you're in here, because if you were out there, it'd be, it'd be nuts. Um, and this is, all, this is all, I did this. So, you know, I'm the one that created the rain this weekend. God does it all the other times, but I did it now because of two things. I washed my truck on Thursday. The first time in months I've washed my truck. I'm getting like two weeks to the gallon, and I hadn't washed it in a month, months. So I washed my truck, and then Friday, Heather and I hung up a rain gauge. She bought a rain gauge back when we were having the wettest spring in history, and we didn't put it up. So it's been laying on the table. So it's, you know, you know those projects that never get done, right? So Friday, we put it up, because I said, we haven't gotten three weeks of rain. Like, we should put it up now. We put it up, boom, there you go. So you are welcome, Fort Worth, especially. So... Uh, but there's ways to connect our text and text in number. But I want to talk to you about a change that we're going we're gonna to have in a couple weeks. And as we've been reopening and regathering, I've talked to you about the filters we process through, the three M's, the, the, the methods, the, the materials, and the manpower. And as we've kind of worked as a team and worked as a staff on the manpower issue, we, we entered a time of praying about adjusting our service times. And so for the summer, we're going to adjust our service times to kind of better maximize our manpower. And that service format's going to look like this. So Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday in person, the live worship will be Saturday at 5, Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And our online worship times will reflect those, but we also added an online worship time at 8 o'clock. And this is our summer hours. And look, can, can we just agree it's a weird time? I mean, we've, got to, we've, we've had to learn to be flexible. If, you're, if you were an inflexible person before COVID, this is jacked with you, I know, but you've had to learn how to become flexible. And we just want to be flexible as a church. This can change, and we, we may change that, but I just wanted to, to, to better maximize our manpower based on how people feel about coming back to gathering in person and not just wear our team out and, and wear, wear the process out. And so... We'll start that in two weeks, and I'm excited for, for that change, and that actually sets us up 
for future uh, services where we can add other service times and we get more services in our, our prime time. So thank you for going along with that. Thank you for being flexible. Thank you for having grace and working with us. So Genesis chapter 39. Let me catch you up. We're in a series called Directionally Challenged. We're going through the life of Joseph, and, and God gave Joseph a dream. This dream that he had really was, was, was an indication of leadership, the, the dream. And he told it to his brothers, which he shouldn't have, because his brothers hated him before that. And then they hated him even more after he told him the dream. But he told his brothers, he said, I had a dream, and, and the gist of the dream is that you all are going to come and bow down to me. And, and the brother's like, yeah, yeah, wait, wait, so, so you think we're going to come and serve you? We think, you think we're going to bow to you? He was the youngest brother, younger brother. And so they, they end up changing the direction of his life. God set a direction for leadership. The brothers changed the direction. They plot to kill him. One of the brothers says, let's not kill him. So they throw him in a pit. They sell him to some traders coming down the road. And now we'll pick up with the life of Joseph in Genesis 39. And, and Joseph uh, worked through this process and saw this dream come true in his life, God's dream, because he lived a disciplined life. And when you, when you look at Joseph, his life took many directional shifts. But when you study through kind of the character, there's one thing that you see about him. He was disciplined. And when, when I look at good leaders, and I love studying good leaders, what I find is there's a high level of discipline in their life. And Joseph walked some disciplines that we get the benefit of learning from today. And we'll see kind of how Joseph picks it up. So Genesis chapter 39 says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house, and from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. That's a pretty sweet deal for Potiphar, right? I mean, Joseph ends up being an overseer in the house of Potiphar. Joseph is in a difficult situation. Joseph didn't make the choice to be there. But Joseph finds himself in, in, in this household, and he's working for Potiphar, and, and he really, he's, he's becomes an indentured servant. He's sold into slavery. He has no choice but to be there and do what Potiphar says. Yet we see something about the life of Joseph. We see that the Lord was with him, and he caused everything Joseph did to succeed. That happened because Joseph was submitted to what God wanted for his life. Listen, we find ourselves in difficult situations, difficult jobs, difficult relationships, difficult families, but there's a discipline here that we see play out in Joseph. That's the discipline of serving, that even though he didn't want to be in that household, I mean, Scripture doesn't say Joseph didn't want to be in the household, but look, we're humans, right? We can read into situations, right? And Joseph didn't, I don't see where he went to Potiphar and said, look, I'm here by, by mistake. I should not be here. 
My brothers hate me. They did this to me. And here, that's why I'm here. Look, if you'll let me go back to my father, I'm sure he'll pay twice what, what you paid to take me here. And just let me go. I shouldn't be here. I'm not supposed to be here. What we see Joseph doing is walking in a discipline of serving. And he says, I don't like where I'm at. I don't want to be here. But you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to trust God. And we know that when we get in difficult times and difficult seasons, difficult situations, that the presence of God is with us. We know his promise is that God will never leave us or forsake us. And we can get in those dark moments of the soul and we can, we can know the promises of God and go, God, I know you're here. I know you're with me. I know you're near to the broken heart. I know you saved the Christian spirit. I know that you are here. But yet what we see is something external happening. We see the favor of God. We see the, the anointing of God on Joseph's life. That whatever he did, he succeeded. That's the favor of God. That, that, that's being submitted to the discipline of serving. And listen, serving is a sacrifice. I know at the beginning it's easy. You know, it's, oh, I like doing this. But then there's some point where that, that, that service becomes work. And you're like, I don't like work. I don't want, this is just hard. I don't want to do this. You mean I got to get up early for this? You mean I, th this is what you want me to do? And serving is a sacrifice. See, see, following God in obedience takes sacrifice. And there's times that we're called to serve in areas we don't want to serve. When we do our, our journey track, which is our membership class, and we'll, we'll, we'll get, those are going to be coming back soon. We're looking at different ways, creative ways to, to do those. And if, if you want to serve and take that next step here at the creek, then we're going to help you do that. But we do a battery of spiritual gifts test. We want to find out how you're wired, how God's wired you, and we want to connect you in an area of serving that, that you're passionate about and that you're gifted in. And sometimes, here's just the reality we can't always make those connections. Sometimes you just got to serve. Sometimes the needs of the house say, this is what we got to do. I've learned more personally by serving in areas that I didn't want to be. I've learned more from jobs that I hated than jobs that I loved. And listen, I, <laughs> I had a job... When I was first starting out in career, Heather and I were married, and I would daydream on the way to this job of just being able to leave it. It would tie my stomach in knots driving to work. I mean, there were days I just dreamed of walking in and saying, take this job and you know where you can put it. But I couldn't. I had responsibility. We had a family. We had kids. See, 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 Joseph's serving in Potiphar's house. The only thing Potiphar had to worry about was what he's going to eat. And, and kids want to eat. Like my kids, at least, they wanted to eat. And I, so I thought, I can't just quit this job. And sometimes that made me feel even more trapped. But then there was that moment where I finally just turned it over to God and said, God, I hate this job. You know I hate this job. You know I want nothing more than to leave this job. I wish you would open up a door out of this job, but here's what I commit. While I'm here, I'm going to do the best I can. And I didn't fall in love with my job, but what I found is God started working in me. 
And, and there was that anointing and that favor that I started to kind of, I, I saw. And then people around me began to see. And that becomes contagious. And, and I was serving not because I wanted to, but because there's a discipline. I was, I was wanting to please the Lord. I wanted God to get glory through how I live my life, through everything. And that meant I'm serving in a job that I don't like. Look, some of you around family, that you, you just, it's a struggle to get along with. And serving your family is a, is a sacrifice. Serving your family. And, and the favor of God, that, that changes everything, the blessing of God. I, I want to challenge you to start serving the people around you some more. Because it's hard to tear them down when you're focused on building them up. That's what serving is. And serving, look, look, Joseph had to be a good server. He had to be a good servant. Otherwise, he wasn't going to be a good leader. When I study leaders, great leaders, the great leaders are also great servants. If you, if you have a leader who is not a great servant, it's going to become a toxic environment at some point. Because they're not, they're not interested in, in people. They're interested in self. See, Joseph, what we see here is he's interested in what God has for his life. Notice, Joseph's in a hard place, yet God elevates him to leadership. And that favor and anointing was noticed by the people around him. And, and that, that elevation of service actually caused the next discipline to have to be utilized. Here we go, verse 6 says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. Notice what he says. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't say, how do I do this great wickedness and sin against Pharaoh? He said, I'm not going to sin against God. His focus was higher. His focus was, was something greater than himself. It was greater than his comfort. It was greater than the temptation in front of him. His focus was on God. He says, I'm not compromising the call of God for you. I'm not, I'm not going to give up what God is building in my life for you. Yes, I don't like where the direction of my life has brought me, but I'm not going to try to create my own direction out of this. That would just go sideways. And Joseph stands on this discipline of self-control. He tells her no. He's able in the face of temptation to say, no, 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 no. No, not, not, I'm not going to sin against God. I'm not going to give up everything that God's been pouring into me. I refuse to let that be given up. And he walks and he makes a decision in self-control. If, if Joseph couldn't control himself as a, as a servant, how was he going to control himself as a leader? Because a lot of those boundaries aren't there. If we don't start to impose some boundaries on ourselves now, it's going to get harder in the future. And it's self-control. We don't get self-control by willpower. We don't get self-control by trying harder. We get self-control by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. See, it's something that has to start inside and go out. Now, we, we, we have people around us 
that can help us, that can, can speak truth into us. But, but let me tell you something. If the Holy Spirit's not producing something in you, self-control, one of the fruit of the Spirit, your accountability partners aren't going to help you with the sites you visit online. If you're not getting help from inside, from the Holy Spirit setting those boundaries ahead of time, you're going to blow right past them when the temptation comes. And you know your weak spots. The enemy knows your weak spots. He's going to attack you where you're weak. And I hope that you've submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work inside of you to produce that self-control. It's not your ability, it's his. And then you've then next, then you've got to have people around you that know your blind spots, that know your weaknesses. I'm not saying you broadcast your weaknesses to the world, but you've got to have some trusted people that are close to you that know the areas you struggle in and know the blind spots so they can tell you, look, there's a truck coming up behind you. You can't see it, but it's going to bowl you over if you don't change lanes. And we've got to start walking in self-control. It's amazing how we begin to justify directional changes based on our whims and not God's. We'll get into situations like this and we'll reconcile it going, well, life is just hard. I deserve some happiness. I mean, Joseph, we could go down the list of justifications Joseph could have made for making a, a, a different decision, but yet he stood on his character and he takes off running. She kept his coat. When he took off running, she got his coat. Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character. And the hard thing about character is this. It takes years to build but minutes to destroy. You can spend an entire life building character and it can be gone like that. We've got to walk in self-control. The way we get the Holy Spirit's power at work in us is when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When we trust our life, our past, our eternity, everything into his hands because he paid the ultimate price on the cross. He was resurrected. He holds the power over it all. When we submit our life into his hands and, and, and everything is changed about us, what happens is spirit comes inside of us. Spirit gives birth to spirit. John chapter three, Jesus is explaining to a man named Nicodemus that when we're born again, when, we're, when, we're, when we put our life in the hands of Jesus, when we get saved, spirit moves in and gives birth to spirit. That Holy Spirit then begins to be the power and the presence of God in our life. So he's convicting us of sin. He's leading us in truth. He's producing the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. We, all, we like those, but when we get to that, there's self-control and we've got to walk in that. And we've got to set those boundaries now before temptation comes. And Joseph says, no way, no way am I going to bow to you. No way am I going to let this affect the direction of my life. I don't like where I'm at, but I know God's got something bigger and better for me than you, missus. And she, you'd like to think that, you know, she sees the light, things change, but it gets worse she comes up with a story and frames him. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way that your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the next few words of verse 21 are so incredibly powerful for us, for Joseph, for all time. But the Lord was with Joseph. I love that, but, but is a great transition. 
Joseph was thrown in the king's prison, an incredibly brutal place, but the Lord was with him. You're in difficult situations. You're in jobs you don't like. You're in, in marriages that are, that are dying, and you're, you're trying to revive the marriage. You're, you're in places, and listen, you might be in prisons and places and pits and all these things. You might be in those places because of your own actions, and you may be in those places because of the actions of someone else. Either way, you find yourself in that place. But you have the choice. You can see the truth that even in those places, the Lord is with you. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. What we see is a discipline that Joseph has is a discipline of suffering. That he finds himself in a place, prison's a tough place, especially if you're innocent. And Joseph finds himself in this place where where, where suffering is a reality of life. Pain is is just real. And and, and he, he... He finds himself there being falsely accused. He stands up and does the right thing. He says, I will not sin against God. He gets framed and he goes to prison. He's in the, and Potiphar, it's believed that Potiphar might have been one of the executioners in the king's prison. And yet, in that hard place, we see the presence of God with Joseph. We see his life There's two ways to look at this. We see his life directionally going down. Like, Joseph, you shared the dream and they threw you in a pit. That's a bad place. Your life got worse. You just got sold into slavery. That's worse. You just got framed by, by the dude's wife and now you're in prison. That's worse. Joseph, you are on the decline, buddy. But yet, look what God's doing. The presence of the Lord was with him, and everything he did succeeded. The situation wasn't pulling Joseph down. Joseph was rising above the situation because the presence, the power, the favor, and the anointing of God. All of those places were building the leadership in Joseph. And in all those places, we see the leadership of Joseph beginning to grow. The keeper of the prison didn't have to worry about anything that Joseph did. Well, there's an incredible trust that's built. Because Joseph could suffer through it. And suffering has a pressure to it. It just does. It presses, presses down. I think suffering squeezes out what's inside of us. I mean, look at the suffering of Jesus. I mean, through his, his, his false accusations, his false trial, as he's hanging on the cross, as he's been beaten, all of this, at any moment, he could call millions of angels to come and rescue him, just like that. Yet, he suffered through it. Scripture says he was like a lamb silent 
going to the slaughter. Why? Because he was disciplined and this discipline of suffering was producing something on the other side. We're told that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The cross wasn't joy. Suffering isn't joy. I'm not saying that in the middle of your difficult moment that you're like, I'm not so happy I'm here. But we rejoice in the sufferings because we know there's something coming out of the other side. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Jesus endured the suffering, the shame, the pain of the cross because on the other side, he knew that our redemption was secure. He knew that regardless of our sin state, we could be forgiven. He knew that because of our our separated state from God, we could be brought near by the blood of Christ. All of that was producing joy. All of that, in in the light of our light momentary suffering, there's there's a glory that far outweighs what we go through now. You and I can step into that joy. We can walk in that purpose, but we've got to be disciplined to suffer and suffer well. Look, the world doesn't need to see Matt suffering. What the world needs to see is when Matt suffers and gets pressed, God's coming out. They need to see the presence and the power of God through what I go through, through what you go through. Because when we get pressed, what's inside comes out. And when I get pressed, and I will at some point, you will at some point, I hope that it's the character of God that just comes out. And people start recognizing there's something different about you. There's something that's unshakable about you. That regardless of, of what's going on around you, there's, there's a presence about you. That's not, that's not all the leadership books that I've read. That's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the favor and anointing of God. And that's what he begins to, to walk us in. Look, every one of us is going to find ourselves in difficult situations. Every one of us has a dream that God's planted in our life. Every one of us has a calling and a purpose and a plan, and God wants to see that come to fruition. And we will find ourselves in places by our own means and by other people's doing. But in that time, we have a choice. And and I pray that when you find yourself there, you choose to walk a disciplined life. It's not easy. It takes sacrifice. But I can tell you, it's absolutely worth it. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you you are near to us, that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you save the crushed in spirit. And I'm just asking you right now for the courage of those that find themselves in difficult places. If they've never placed that faith, that hope, that trust in you, Jesus, I pray today is the day they make that decision. Today's the day that they, they, they put everything into your hands and, and say to you, Jesus, my, my life has gone in a direction that, that I, I, I have no control of. I feel like I'm spiraling. And I'm placing it all in your hands because I know that you, you served me and you suffered for me. You died for me. You rose again to show your power over all of these things. And I'm asking you now to save me. I'm asking you to set eternity in my heart. I'm asking you to give me that life, that hope, that grace, that forgiveness. And I'm asking you to put your spirit inside of me to begin to lead me and be your power and presence at work in my life. Father, I thank you for that gift of salvation. That for the 
joy set before Jesus. He endured the cross. The joy is our salvation. That we have hope in you. And I'm praying for those right now in places that are difficult. No matter how they got there, I'm praying, God, for for a disciplined life, a discipline of serving and self-control and even a discipline of of suffering well so that, that your presence is with them, so that your favor is on them, your anointing is on them, and what they do, they do for your glory and you make it successful. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.